Happy New Year, he's Beagle! You're like the buzzing of flies to him! I mean, so you, as much as you can finish Skyrim, I guess. Yeah, true. There's uh, there's still the DLCs. There's probably a bunch of side quests here and there that you missed. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those games that you, that's, that you can always go back to and find something you didn't finish. Well, I, there's still a bunch that I have li- on my list that I never actually finished. But I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I just got to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to keep playing this anymore. So yeah. I finished the main quest and I was like, okay, that's it. There, there's two stages of done with Skyrim. You're you're you've complete the story and you're done, and you you've played it so much that you cannot possibly shoot another arrow from stealth mode. Hey, your beard's getting pretty long. Yeah, I haven't trimmed it in a while. Sure. Are you purposely trying to grow it out or just I'm lazy? Just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. This is all lazy right here. Same with with this. Well, that and there's no way to get a haircut with this wispy bald crap. You know, my beard has gotten pretty long over here too. Uh huh. <laughs> so you won't be able to start curling it. Scratch me. <laughs> Put beads in it like Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. I notice your hair is is one color for a change. You haven't dyed it in a while. I haven't dyed it in like two years. I finally cut the last of the uh, bleached stuff from when it was split red and black. Mm-hmm. I finally there cut that off about two years ago, which was only like maybe a half inch or a quarter inch. And I've just kind of left it alone because I just got lazy and didn't bother doing much with it. Because if I wanted color, I'd have to bleach it. And my, the girl that normally does my hair isn't doing hair anymore. So that means I'd have to find somebody up in OC, which I'm just too lazy to seek out. So long story short, I haven't colored my hair in like two years. <laughs> and I'd like to, but I don't want to deal with the upkeep. I don't want to pay somebody to do it. And the only color that my hair will kind of naturally take that I can do myself is just black, <clears throat> which I'm cool with. But again, I'm too lazy. It took me forever to just cut my hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm- contemplating just taking my uh, electric razor and shaving this garbage off mm-hmm. Tony's been debating shaving his I think that's the longest I've ever seen Tony's hair at least in a while a long while I think when we first started dating it got a little bit longer than it is right now but I've never really seen it recently this long. He usually always keeps it pretty short. Yeah, I think that was mm-hmm. the only other time it was ever even this close. Mm-hmm. I think I might have surpassed that link at this point. Yeah, Tony thinks that he actually surpassed the last time, so this might be the longest he's ever had it. If I had a, a rubber band or a scrunchie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. He's getting a ponytail status. Pretty much, yeah. He, he just said, like, if I had a ponytail or a scrunchie... <laughs> You could probably get it all back there. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's thought about even just shaving his head, which I'm kind of curious to see. 
I've never seen Tony with a shaved head. He would look weird as hell with a with a full bald, but I think he'd be fine with like a one or a two on the razor. Yeah, maybe a little peach fuzz. Yeah. My mom sent me apple butter that she made. Ooh, nice. I'm eating it with apples. <laughs> <laughs> she she made me a bunch of fudge and caramels and sent me a bunch of chocolate and shit for Christmas. And it literally took three weeks to get here. And it was two-day priority shipping. Fun. She put it in the mail on the 14th. And gotta, we just got it, like, two days ago. Gotta love the new U- USPS. Ugh. Oh, hey, well, that, yeah, true. That reminds me. Can you send me the recipe, uh, like, text it to me or something, for that uh, marshmallow chocolate fudge thing that you make? Sure. I'm craving that, like, all I was holiday. literally just telling my mom on the phone earlier how I've been craving that and wanting to make it. So it's super funny that you mentioned that. (laughs) Byron, I make these amazing chocolate squares and you mix the chocolate with peanut butter and melt it down and mix it in with marshmallows. (sighs) It's like heaven in your mouth. It is so delicious. (laughs) So good. What she said. You guys ready to do this? Sure, just a heads Let's up. Let's do it. Do uh, it. In about 10 minutes, my pizza is going to be done, so I'll disappear for a couple of minutes. Your emergency pizza? <laughs> my emergency pizza, yes. I ran out of beer, and I forgot to grab some on the last grocery run, so I have this exquisite refrigerated mini... Oh, wine. God, Sutter <laughs> Home! <laughs> Meg, oh man, Sutter Home. Yeah, Meg bought the little four pack of these for cooking and then ended up not using them. So she's like, if you want to drink them, fine. That's it, all we got right now. It's either this oh, man. or like I, hard shit I, uh, on top of the. I've had some bad times on Sutter Home. <laughs> I'm sure I was there for some of them. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, the giant juice box. Oh God. <laughs> I think everybody has that mini four pack in the back of their fridge that they bought once for making a roast or something and then they just never used them. I remember um, hanging with Jaime. Jaime? Monaraz? I think so. Smoking cloves and drinking Boone's Farm. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) In some random public park late at night in the dark. Like fucking weirdos. You could have just said mad dog and just. which, Which park? Where? In Rancho? Oh, yes. Probably somewhere buried in the suburbs of Rancho or East Lake, maybe. Uh, I don't remember. Wow. God. <laughs> I was so cool at 19. <laughs> or whenever. Yeah, I just remember just like thinking back to some of the shit I used to do when I was that age. I was just like, what the fuck? What was I doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. I try not to think about it too hard because I, I will, st- to this day, I'll have random moments in the shower where you just kind of like you're. Anytime you're doing a mundane task like that, like you're washing up in the shower or doing dishes or folding laundry or something, and then some embarrassing shit from like 15, 20 years ago just slams into the forefront of your brain, and you're like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah. I I get those uh, right before bedtime. I don't get those during mundane tasks. That's the kind of shit my brain does to me to keep me from going to sleep. Yeah, that too. I think uh, I think we all have stories of our fortified wine days when we were uh, underage and couldn't get anything else. Yeah. 
think my uh, my worst ones was Mad Dog twenty twenty, the blue ice garbage. Oh god, the blue mad dogs. Oh god almighty. Don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well well as listeners of this podcast are well aware, um, the origins of this show were in a bowling alley bar at ten AM on a Sunday drinking okay so how what (laughs) and why (laughs) so we so this okay so the podcast originally started by the way everybody welcome to getting off topic (laughs) um 2012 actually because it was right when we moved up to orange county like me and todd we both work for the same employer they moved our department up to orange county from san diego and they're like hey we'll pay you to move so we're like "Uh, okay um so we all moved up here. Um, originally, we weren't roommates. We were we were kind of living in, in neighboring apartment complexes. But anyway, five minutes just, away from each other. Yeah, we're just looking for something to do. For some reason, we started talking about trying out a podcast, and we ended up. And because Todd uh, used to work the like the graveyard shift, and I was during the daytime and different days off. The only the best time for us to get together was to me to wake up super early on a Sunday morning and meet up with him getting off of work and meet up at this uh, local like old school bowling alley, the Lindbrook bowling alley in Anaheim. And why a bowling alley? Cause it was the only thing open at that time of the morning that uh, would be, that would have somewhere that was noisy enough yet private enough for us to do a podcast. It, it kind of, it kind of worked in the beginning. Why couldn't you do it in one of your homes? Meg was still sleeping most of the time, so we didn't do it there. And I had a cat oh. at the time, so we couldn't do it at my apartment. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm insanely allergic to cats. So <laughs> oh okay, um, that's yeah. my pizza. I'll be right back. Emergency. So that's that's why, just because reasons. So reasons, yeah. And okay. then, then we found out <laughs> once we started going there, we realized oh they had this. I mean the place is. I mean, it's kind of cool. It, it, I think they've done some upgrades now, but when we first started going there, it's, I mean, you, you could have seen Lebowski in the corner. Like it just like, it has not okay. changed since probably the seventies. And it had the, the center room was like this. It was a bar with like a little karaoke room that would open up at 10 AM. And we kind of, you know, started becoming regulars on Sunday mornings because that's when it worked best for us. And, um, uh, and they would the the little old lady bartenders in there would get to know us and would give us like two dollar, uh, like Miller, the hell was it? I don't remember what we were drinking or Bud Lights actually Bud Lights. And I think when Todd wow. started getting uh on the Cato bandwagon, he was doing the low carb ones, the Michelob Ultras. Uh, oh okay. But yeah, drinking cheap ass beer in a bowling alley bar on <laughs> Sunday morning. Oh, oh and they had. I'm, I'm a, sure. Wow. I'm sure one of us had just watched The Big Lebowski and thought it was a brilliant idea. <laughs> and they did. I remember once we started going, they had that um, little cafe in the front and they had a pretty good oh. deal for $10. You could get this little like cheapy Denny's style, like like just a greasy kitchen breakfast, eggs and bacon and stuff and toast and three games with it. So we would bowl. Wow. We would have a quick breakfast. For $10? Yeah. 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 So it was a really good bowl. deal. Yeah, we would, we would we ha- eat a quick breakfast, like a you know, little eggs and toast plate, bowl some games, and then go record. So. We had a uh, an old-fashioned <clears throat> bowling alley, like just like you described, here in Portland, in the city, up until about two years ago, when they 
Target bought the building and turned it into a city Target. Do you guys know what city Target is? Mm-mm. Never heard of it. It's just a Target in like a tiny space that they couldn't put a, a full Target in. And they shrink all the departments down by like 40%. And uh, it's usually, it doesn't have the more elaborate, like, it's not going to have like an entire electronic section. It's It'll be like a couple. Like a Target that's miles. the size of a CVS or something. Yeah, effectively. Maybe like a little bit bigger than a CVS, but you're not far off. So like there's one in downtown Portland that is in this like really fancy old, um what used to be office buildings but now there's like a a target in this like old 1920s style building um which is actually across the street from my work so i go there all the time um but it's just the most awkward thing to have in the middle of a city is just a target you know there's there's one in seattle too but that one takes up an entire city block so that's not quite the same um but this target it, it, it's so weird because they kept the original building look and lo- layout and it still has the bowling like uh, mural on it. <laughs> <laughs> so they got lazy during the refer- for refurbishment. And well, said, nah, I, I think it's there. one of those things where like, oh, we're not actually uh, bulldozing your culture. And it's like, yes, you very much are. Thank you very much. But um <laughs> The most interesting one of those I saw was in Baltimore, uh, right down by the water. We went out there for a friend's wedding years ago, and they have a giant Barnes and Noble that's built into the, the what once was a uh, electrical plant, I believe it was, but like an old school one with like like the old like um, smoke like smoke chimneys and stuff like going through them. Wait, what business was this? A Barnes and Noble. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, but it's not, all like... not like there's any Barnes and Nobles around, anyways. But yeah, <laughs> actually, I I did actually go to a Barnes and Noble a couple of days, uh, the day before Christmas. Yeah, um, uh, Meg's been hearing actually, and she's been considering going back um, once. You know, it feels safe to be in retail again uh, because I mean, she worked there for like a decade plus and left. Twelve and, years. Twelve years um and was it barnes and noble or or, or borders no for her is barnes and noble uh okay and it was you know kind of going the same way as borders you know flailing to come up with gimmicky shit to try to keep money they rolling were selling in. fucking jewelry at barnes and noble <laughs> at one point yeah i mean i went to when i went to barnes and noble a couple of days ago half of it was toys yeah mm-hmm. yeah but under the new ceo apparently from what she's been hearing from old co-workers of hers who are still there uh it's really making a turnaround. Um, this guy apparently turned around the major, like the big box bookstore chain in um, in the UK uh, a couple mm. years back. He took it over and just basically brought back kind of an indie book, like a, a small scale style and flair to it. And I mean, that's the only way that those types of places are going to survive is if they provide the ability for people to find titles that they couldn't just browsing Amazon, you know, like, and there's a desire from a certain type of consumer for that type of experience. I mean, it's the same thing that GameStop is going to have to do. Uh, I mean, I heard that they're making a a pivot into um, retro gaming and honestly that could do it. Retro gaming is huge right now. Um, 
being able to go in and buy super NES titles and that type of thing that you can put a lot of profit on those, on those things because the value is so um, variable in terms of uh, where you're getting it, what market it is. Mm-hmm. You, you could put a 20, 25% VAT on that and nobody would blink an eye. Yeah, we have a, we have a little mom and pop retro game shop here in Anaheim uh, that we go to but That's where, well, Meg tried to get a new PS3 controller through there and it ended up the guy had a bad batch. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, you can walk in there and still see some of the top tier games. I mean, Super Metroid on the shelf is still $45. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a really great shop. Uh, shout out to Final Form uh, in St. John. It's where I go. It's actually... Uh, it's a record shop and a retro gaming shop, but it's tiny nice. and it's just like key stuff. Uh, it, it's not comprehensive in any way, but it's very much um, curated. So like the stuff that he gets is there very intentionally and he gets gaming vinyls too. Cause it's mainly a vinyl shop nice. uh, in, for the music part. Um, but he gets like uh, he gets gaming vinyl, he gets soundtracks. So I picked up the, the Halloween um, uh, vinyl a couple of years ago. selling those Mondo exclusives? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. They sell I mean, out in like he, five he, seconds? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what they do is that they actually, they have, they have a program where they work with physical retail stores where they get extra copies. Like um, the Get Up Kids last album that came out, uh, they did a limited pressing on, um, on a special colored vinyl that was limited to like a thousand copies or something. And, uh, I was, I tried to get one online, but I missed out on it. Um, and so I contacted him and I was like, Hey, any chance that one of those vinyls is the, the special release? And he's like, yeah, I'm actually pretty sure that all of mine are. And I was like, Oh, rad. And he's like, I'll keep one for you. So I went down there and he kept it for me and I picked it up on the spot. Nice. Um, so yeah, final form in St. John, uh, North of Portland, check it out. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, video game geeks in Anaheim, check them out. Um, I have to temper my collecting these days that itch I get to impulse buy shit because I, I the last one, as far as collectibles goes, I snatched up the uh, Cowboy Bebop vinyl they just put out Ugh. soundtrack. Yeah. See, you know, you know, what's funny as I'm doing the exact opposite. <laughs> huh. I, I, for a long time, I, I've never really been a collector. I don't really have a collector's mindset in terms of, mm-hmm that feeling of missing out just because I know you can always just get it later. Yeah. You might have to pay a lot more, but you can get it if you really, really want it. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> um, that, but that's the dilemma I'm going through right now with some, uh, some star Wars figs from the last couple of years of black, the, the black series. Oh yeah. Um, they've had the Mando's stuff. They've had rebel stuff and they've had a, they, they brought uh, a couple of vintage style looking packages for some of the classic figures mm-hmm. and I resisted the urge the first time they were around, but now I'm looking back, like I'm seeing a couple of them and I'm like, I really want that Luke. I really want that empire strikes back, like vintage backing. Yeah. I really want uh, the, the alternate color of Ahsoka that I didn't get. <laughs> We've never it started with, it started with this though that uh, I, I start sort of started to change my mind about collecting mm-hmm. because I knew that there are certain things that are just gonna go away, you know. And if you pick it up now, you're gonna save a lot of money. 
And, and the thing is, is that there are very, there are very few things that I make this type of deal about, mm. but this is what got it started. Oh, um, yeah. Is the, the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack uh-huh. um, on vinyl. I was like, I mean, I, ha- I have to have this. <laughs> like, if, if I miss this, I'll never forgive myself. Yeah, um, that, that's kind of how I felt about Bebop. Uh, but the hilarious thing is, though, I still haven't fucking played it. <laughs> I got it in the mail like maybe a month or so back. I'm like, oh fuck yeah! Like, we're, see, we're gonna that is the thing is that I I really do I try when I pick up stuff I do make a concerted effort to make sure that I experience it because um, I am someone who uh, gets m- very significant um, buyer's remorse um, because I spend so much time. I'm the type of consumer that I spend a lot of time trying to figure out the best way to get something for the best price. Like probably an unhealthy amount Uh (laughs) of time trying to figure out how to get stuff cheap. And so if I don't, if I don't squeeze every single drop of value out of uh, a purchase, I've somehow wounded myself. (laughs) And see, I'm the, I'm the person that, when it comes to getting toys and stuff, I open the packaging. I oh yeah, want it, but I'm not like that person this is that open. puts it on a shelf and just dusts it off every once in a while and looks at the packaging. Like packaging, no, is no, garbage. I, like I am absolutely that not that type of consumer. That's why you buy two. You buy one to open and you buy one to, to display. <laughs> but see, I'm cheap, Todd. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to buy two of the same thing. Yeah. And we've never been, we, okay, we've got our fair share of like little collectible figurines and stuff, but it's all like little stuff. Like we, we've never been like a massive, like I'm going to get the black series, everything, because all that shit's crazy expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The occasional vinyl of like something that we love, like Bebop. Um, you know, things like that. Things here we and there. want to enjoy and open and listen to and play with. Yeah. And we're trying to. And- well, it- here, go ahead. When it, when it comes to gaming, I mean, part of the reason why I've decided that um, I'm, I'm going to start collecting and gaming again is because uh, I used to have so much great stuff when I was a kid and I threw it all away and I hate myself for it. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do end up, uh, I bought an original Xbox on a whim two, two summers ago mm-hmm. or the summer before last uh, because there were a bunch of Xbox exclusives and um, it was actually, I was playing a PS2 version of Marvel Ultimate Alliance. And I was like, why am I playing this version? This version is terrible. There's a much better version on the Xbox. And so I started, I realized that the original Xbox is a fantastic multi-plat system. Almost all of the best versions of all of the that era's multi-platinum titles, except for a key few like Silent Hill 2, the Xbox version is inferior to the PS2 version. Silent Hill, Electric um, Boogaloo. Well, yeah, because uh, the 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 Sony and Konami had a really like close working relationship, and so Silent Hill 2 was designed specifically for the PS2 processor, where it wasn't. It was, and so the port for the Xbox was a lazy port. The rest of most multi-plat titles were designed with the Xbox in mind because it was so close to developing for PC that they could usually uh, use the resources from the PC port 
to do a good Xbox port. Mm-hmm. I, Most I, of the, I, I had I had I had experience with that because for the longest time I was looking for uh, Marvel versus Capcom two, and yeah, the PlayStation version was garbage. It ran like crap. Drop. But that's frames. the Dreamcast. But the Dreamcast one was good, but the Xbox one I think was the best. And that sucker. Every time I found it, everybody was always asking like hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty yeah, bucks. Easily. Yeah, MBS MBCS two is so hard to find for the original xbox at this point i mean and, unless you're yeah and not only that 150 bucks but i think the uh, original printing or the original release of it was a, a limited or a short a smaller release so copies were generally hard to find even when it was new wow yeah i mean that era of gaming it was pretty much a dice roll whether or not the version of the game that you were getting was going to be optimized well um that i mean we still sort of have that issue cyberpunk um but oh it's a bad cold bad coffee out there but honestly most ports at this point are usually pretty decent um if it, and if they're not decent at launch they can always be patched so but not only that most most consoles nowadays are on par with at least a year behind pc parts so they're they're not they're not too far different in systems anymore yeah, I mean the Xbox Series X and the PS5 are incredibly powerful systems. I mean, if you were try if if you're gonna if you're gonna try and build a PC that had those same parts, you'd easily be paying eight hundred dollars, mm-hmm. where you know the the systems are five hundred bucks, and so they're they're an incredible deal. Um, the only reason I decided to upgrade my gaming PC or to buy a new PC is mainly because I'm using it for video editing now, and so. Uh, just happens to be that the best video card for video editing also happens to be able to play video games very, very, very well. How and unfortunate, Byron. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's actually a good time right now to buy PC parts too because the... Oh, yeah, uh, it's a great time. The, the glut of people <laughs> doing... Uh, <laughs> the, the glut of people doing like coin mining and stuff like that has finally started to wear off. The uh, stocks of hard drives and RAM has finally started to come back up. So the prices on those are finally fucking dropping. I would say that mining isn't really, I don't, mining has gone down. It hasn't decreased as much as we think though. I think it's more that the, the GPO manufacturers are working directly with miners and they're selling them mining specific cards. Can you guys explain? And so they they're out they're allocating like a certain percentage of their of their cards specifically to sell to miners or people who are interested in mining. Yeah. What was that, Meg? Can you explain what mining is to somebody like myself that doesn't know what that means? So Bitcoin I mean, Meg's really Bitcoin. smart here. She's just saying like if somebody out there yes. might not <laughs> like this person okay. right here. For the folks at home. <laughs> Let's take Bitcoin, for example. Bitcoin, um, you have to dedicate a extreme amount of PC, uh, CPU usage time to essentially decoding for the coins in the, in the very basic, basic sense. And it takes a long time. It uses GPU system. It uses your processor. So like your processor, your system is like running full blast constantly to gain pennies. Mm-hmm. basically and over time the pennies add up you get a full coin 
you make money off it that way, but it takes forever. And, and Bitcoin, for example, has been around for so long, it takes longer and longer and longer to mine for a single coin. And it will, and it will continue to get longer until all the coins disappear. Yeah. I have but been on my, for a while. I have been on my uh, investing journey for like the past year and a half or so. And I have try as I may, I still cannot get a grip on, on Bitcoin and understanding of it. I, I've like well, looked at explainers and everything. And at some point, like it's, it's definitely out, becoming like, more mainstream class. because more, more financial services are starting to accept actively it. accept it. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it just hurt. It just hit 33 today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going, it's going through one of those, yearly large booms yeah again bitcoin has huge jumps and huge they had, like dips. A, a, they had like a split or something uh not too long ago. yeah they split it a few months ago yeah. which know, is insane because yeah. literally like three years ago it was worth almost nothing again like they they had a huge bust about three years ago i want to say and it went down to like dramatically like 5,000 or 4,000 per coin. And now we're back up to like 30, is it? 33, it hit 33 today. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I personally, um, I just don't have enough excess uh, capital gambling money (laughs) to be able to throw at at Bitcoin. So I'm just going to have to be one of those poor poor fools who missed out yeah i i I, like like all things in my life i consider myself a a jack of all trades master of none so i got really excited about learning investing shit and knowledge and it it capped right before i hit bitcoin and i'm just the lazy man (laughs) plus i'm just honestly and i'm like okay i can throw all the money into the s p 500 having knowledge (laughs) about actual investing is probably a lot better long-term investment for yourself yeah just just think of bitcoin as another stock that's that's all it is really it goes up in value it goes down in value yeah like you buy at a certain point you sell at a certain point Mm -hmm. that that's all it is really yeah you can just use it as a, as a, another form of uh, money, basically. Yeah. So it's it's so, investing and money at the same time. So a quick shout out to what I, I'm drinking, actually. Wowza. I'm drinking Wowza by Deschutes, which is a low-cal, <laughs> hazy pale ale, uh, local, you know. Um, 100 calories, but only 4%. ABB womp womp um, <laughs> with only four carbs. It was delicious. I was actually, I'm very impressed that they managed to make this um, what many would call, uh, you know, a pansy beer. <laughs> <laughs> tastes good. So tastes so good. Wowza. I don't judge anybody for their drinking choices. It's, I mean, I, we drank the, uh, the Bud Lights in our in our bowling alley days and we so i actually realized a couple months ago uh that i had never had a bud light in my entire life until uh my buddy who works at the anheuser bush distributor Mm -hmm. he gets free beer every month and uh it was right as the pandemic was starting and he dropped me off 
like six 48 packs of beer. <laughs> nice. That's a yeah. nice care package. Uh, yeah, so it got me about two months into the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we had... Um, and one of them was Bud Light. And so I, I drank like 48 Bud Lights for the first time in my entire life. I had a similar experience. We, uh, we on our last uh, Christmas shindig that we had probably two years ago now um somebody brought over a giant i don't know how many pack 24 pack or maybe more of paps blue ribbon good old paps which i honestly i don't think i ever david huh i think that was david might have been rachel i'm not sure oh no no you're right i think it was rachel but yeah, it's uh, the giant 24, 48, 600 pack of Pabst, I don't know, just invaded our fridge. I didn't even know that somebody brought it until like the day after. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it just stayed in there for God knows how many months. And I slowly but surely got through it, maybe over the course of six months to a year. Uh, that's so funny. If if that PBR had been here in Portland, it would have been gone the, in that day. <laughs> Uh, well you know the whole thing about pbr right in portland explain supposedly i I don't know if this is true or not but it's like one of those local legends uh pbr was almost completely defunct in the united states and then a local bar uh started serving it at just like these absurd prices and somebody wrote about it in the local um alt magazine alt newspaper and then it it somehow became this hipster thing out of that one that one mention in the alt newspaper and then it blew up as this hipster drink nationwide that's so funny and it's all because one bar in portland started serving it for absurd prices like 75 cents or something like that power <laughs> the power of the press uh so by the way um merry christmas and happy new year to everybody uh how what did you guys do how the hell uh was your holidays (laughs) i was stuck in my uh my cell that i call my apartment (laughs) as most people are at the moment yeah sounds about right we were just uh here spent the first half of the day just calling uh all of the family all the family on the phone and like oh so what are you guys gonna do today like well we're talking to you (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that consists of our to-do list yeah uh, just yeah chatting with my dad and stepmom and everything meg's mom's out in memphis and all that and then the rest of the day was just i think movies and video games which is pretty much our it's been our status quo for the whole year uh we caught like half of the joe bob christmas special we had still have to watch the second movie um, that was one of the, the uh, topics I was going to bring up was that if I saw an article, they raised $40,000. That's crazy. And I saw that. Yeah. In the auction. Yeah. Yeah. Auctioning off their uh, fun little random merchandise. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was pretty much it for us. And as far as New Year's, uh, we traditionally don't really ever go out for New Year's. We don't really want to like, we're too old for that shit to go out and we go hello fellow kids uh with, you know like downtown fullerton is kind of like the hipster college community with all the bars and stuff well i i work at a bar so my new year's eve experience is usually a lot different from most people's yeah um but i you don't usually work the night shift i usually work the day so i get off at eight thirty, 
So I usually, so last year I took my, my like suit to the bar with me <laughs> in, in anticipation of, and then I, and then I changed in our grimy, disgusting bathrooms. Um, <laughs> uh, as people are like pounding on the door being like, I got to puke, you know? Um, uh, but then in anticipation of, of going somewhere, you know, fun. Um, but then we ended up just staying at my bar, which yeah. that was last year. That was not this year. I was at home with my sister and we like did nothing. Probably most people's story this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, Except uh, for all we, of like, the people lighting off the fireworks everywhere around here. We put on like we put on like hipster dance music that we used to listen to back when we were both you know fun. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, we lots of LCD sound system and Ladytron. Oh wow, ah, that's good choices. We yeah, it was pretty much a average night for us because we again, like I said, we don't really bother with. Uh, going out or anything on New Year's anyway on a regular year and we routinely stay up past 12 anyway we're usually we're usually going to bed close to one if not right after so it was literally a regular night for us except for the occasional explosions outside (laughs) anyway there's uh like me and Byron were talking about earlier I think before we started recording um there wasn't a whole lot of news that I could track down the last two weeks uh just a lot of rumors and hearsay kind of um but we can run through a few bits. Uh, we're uh, well. Well, okay. Well, one before little... we get to news, okay. did either of you, or preferably before, so, since we're going to talk about it, did both of you watch Wonder Woman? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We have seen the Wonder Woman eighty four, and judging from the faces you're making, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, unless you're jerking off while eating that delicious pizza. Um, it looks like uh, you've got some beef with Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> I fucking hated it, man. <laughs> I fucking hated it. So like, got... I loved the first one, but I hated this one so much. So you have Todd on the spectrum of full-on hate. <laughs> I am on the spectrum of mostly disliked. And then you've got Ta- or Tony and Byron on the I enjoyed it side. Yeah, it was all right. All right. Well, I okay, first it. of all, can we talk about how Wonder Woman raped a man? Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely like a, a thing that I was like, I don't oh. know about this. this. Okay. Like if that had been a female... Yeah, if the revolt, if the roles like, were reversed, oh uh, no, this movie okay, would have never so, been made. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we're getting into it. <laughs> Wonder Woman eighty four spoilers. So we're we getting into it. Are we getting into it right now? I guess uh, Todd called an audible, and okay. uh, I, I guess fuck the headlines. They're not many anyway. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Todd like, about that. Like too long. They should have cut at least. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. too long. Definitely too long. About, about the same forty minutes too long. Wasn't the first one that long anyway? Wasn't it two and a half? Uh, but the it was first like one two was good. ten or something. <laughs> the first yeah, one didn't good, seem so as long because yeah, it was that, enjoyable yeah. and had a good flow to the story. This one, yeah. the story's all over the fucking place. The wishes are all over the fucking place. <laughs> Acting is all over the place. Like. I enjoyed Lord, but the rest of the acting 
Lord and Pine. Pine, those are the only two good character yeah. acting in the entire movie. Yeah, like yeah, Kristen yeah. Wiig. I mean, I you have Kristen, Kristen Wiig, but I she like doesn't her. actually she doesn't actually get good until she finds her confidence. Like, and that's until the worst part of her. Yeah. And that's <laughs> well, the worst part I, I, I'm going to say that she got good and until she was good with her power until be, she became, um, uh, an Android, Le, Le, Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, uh, <laughs> character. Until she became furry wig. Here, um, let me show you my butthole. <laughs> um so i i don't know if that's Kristen wig's fault i think the the movie well from the get-go it's not, it's not her fault from the get-go from the very first scene from from starcourt mall where we open uh it was clearly that was a very over overtly comic booky vibes where I, I kind of like i kind of went oh man i better brace yeah myself. even the music so, was fucking terrible totally yeah the music choices were awful it was totally so this movie was all over the place like especially as like in terms of like compared to the first one right like the first one was a heightened reality with elements of camp but it was relatively um, more grounded relatively more grounded um and it had a very specific tone that it was hitting and it hit it consistently throughout the movie Mm. um i think the airy stuff at the end sort of maybe threw that a little bit out of the window but which is interesting for the most part it was consistent yeah this movie was not consistent it was like anyway totally it was super 80s in the whole mall scene like everything was pretty spot on in terms of like that 80s feel but as the movie progressed Beyond some of the costume choices, it could have been any fucking decade yeah. and you would not have even known. They should have gone really heavy with 80s music or 80s style-esque music. But other than that, like you, it could have been the fucking 90s. It could have been the year 2010 and nobody would have known. Remember when Venom came out and everybody said that Venom uh, felt like a superhero movie that was made in 2003? Uh-huh. That was lost in time. Yeah, this felt like it was a superhero movie that was made in 1996. Yes, I, I, I understand the choice for the 80s as far as the character choice with Pedro Pascal's with Max Lord, the the he very, yeah, the the hyper 80s yuppie sort of thing. Which I mean, at the same time, crazily enough, in our in our current times yeah. kind of a <laughs> works for now as well but uh i i kind of understand that part of it setting it for the 80s um other than that yeah i agree just kind of set dressing um uh and i what's interesting enough is that i uh, I, i'm sitting here pointing out like the very beginning the pull i'm gonna keep calling it the starcourt mall sequence <laughs> um uh, with the with the hyper camp of the eighties and the and the goofy uh, the thugs and whatever it was the, the goof- Fairfield Mall. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, <laughs> at the same time, while I was in my head starting to critique it right out the get go, I also remember the last time I went back and rewatched The Dark Knight, and I was surprised at how campy the villains are in that first bank heist. Like they're talking yeah. like this, like oh, you hear about this guy, the Joker? Well, so okay. That was specific, though, because they were trying to call back to, like, the 1930s era gangster because that comic, the comic that it's based on 
is from the 1930s. Understandable. It just kind of threw me off because the rest of the movie is so... The six-way job. Dark nights, yeah. Or the five-way anyway, job. Anyway, so. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, uh, okay, so about... I, I figured out while I was watching the movie exactly why they said it in the 1980s. Okay. It was the nukes. Right. Yeah. It was while I was watching the movie. Uh, well, I, that's not like entirely the reason, but like they wanted a period of, in time where Diana was n- the only metahuman. Um, so prior to Man of Steel. Um, and they wanted a, an era where they could, uh, it could be fun, but I, it was because of the nukes. It was they couldn't have done it in the seventies because it would have been too. Um, but they they could have come up with some other world ending, world ending reason other than nukes. But I, I agree with you. That is why they chose the eighties is because of the nuke setting, the nuke plot line. But yeah. it's and, just and the oil instability with the, the yeah. politics of it and everything. It, and it also, nineteen eighties nostalgia is is having weirdly another last gasp like. Uh, we we should be well into millennial nostalgia right now, but uh, I guess oh, the it, it's coming up. The 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 late late nineties, early two thousands nostalgia is like hitting. Like Fallout Boy is becoming huge again for some reason. Yeah. We just have a few loose ends to tie up. Like Stranger Things has to end, and then we'll be done with the eighties. Well, you know what it is <laughs> is is in, in the in the late nineties the 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 filmmakers who grew up during the eighties were first becoming screenwriters. Now they're the heads of the studios. So yeah. now they're greenlighting stuff based on their 40 year old nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I mean that in terms of the time it's been, not the. Yeah. One of the other things that drove me bonkers about wonder woman going back to the movie was like, regurgitating that old trope of the frumpy woman who's never noticed is like gets her glamour and of course everybody in the fucking world has to hit on her like it just drives me bonkers that they still do that shit it is a pretty ancient like not just a trope because tropes are Tropes are just tools. Like tropes are not necessarily bad. This wasn't just a trope. This was like a full-on stereotype. It was full-on. Like this was. It made me wonder. Like second get not wonder, but it made me second guess who wrote and directed the film. I was like, did a bunch of guys write this? No, it's a woman. Why is she doing this shit? Well, and it's not even it's not even old hat <sighs> for superhero movies. I mean, we pretty much get this same exact plot line in a superhero movie every three years. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like watching like, it i was like we're doing catwoman again and she literally becomes a cat <laughs> and, and iron in man 2 like hash hash hashed over this with with iron man hitting on uh black widow the entire time yeah and then you had um electro in the amazing spider-man 2 yeah um, it just it that just... fucking movie <laughs> It just bothered me seeing that again. I think I think the reason what? they tried to do that is to make the scene where she finally blows up and and gives the uh, dude internal bleeding from uh, from trying to hit on her and then yeah. grabbing her. 
I think that that was the that that was the point of doing all of that garbage with both her and Diana's character. Ugh. It still it I mean, still is gross. There, I, I will I understand. Go ahead. Sorry, I understand there is some power in those moments, and I did kind of appreciate a few of those. Like, uh, and uh, that's a tribute to Kristen Wiig's acting mainly. Um, uh, but at the same time, yes, it does rely on very old school tropes. Like, I mean, it's not just superhero movies. Like, it's like it, it harkened back to fucking year two thousand teen movies. Like, you're the 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 high sc- the the She's star quarterback is not going to ask you to the prom until you let your fucking hair down and take off those stupid glasses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so. Uh, our friend Shannon pointed that out too. She's like, "Why the fuck is it always like when the woman finds her power and is finally?" Cons- considered like attractive or like just worthy of society she has to take off her ponytail and let her hair down like what why is that the thing that is just unacceptable uh, it's and then on the complete flip opposite side i think the best scene in the whole film was the very opening scene with young diana doing the trial and yet that scene had nothing to do with the rest of the film Supposedly, the studio told them to pick either the ni- the the 1984 mall opening or the Themyscira opening, mm-hmm. and that they couldn't have both. And Patty Jenkins went out of her way, like put her professional um, like reputation on the line to keep both. Well, I think they and... could have scrapped the mall. And <laughs> looks like the studio heads were right on this one. <laughs> yeah, they could have scrapped the mall scene, and it still would have been a functional film. I uh, I saw they they tried to kind of ham-fistedly tie it together uh, with some sloppy dialogue about uh, that you know because she she cheats basically trying to finish the trial and gets stopped by uh, General Princess Buttercup uh, and uh, she she sort of uh, uh, words it as like like uh, cheating would be not not truthful you're not telling the truth that's uh that's a a win built on lies and that's you know against what we believe in and everything and that sort of translates to uh the wish element of the storyline the the major plot like wishes are lies essentially um i actually that's funny because i i feel like wishes are the opposite of lies i feel like wishes are the truth yeah, I guess it's like yeah, uh, wishes is truth. Yeah, if somebody is wishing for something, that is that is significant truth that they want. Yeah, I think it's kind of like saying like if you if you get what you if you get everything you want in a in a wish, it's kind of like a surface level sort of thing. It's not really what brings value into your life or something. I don't know. Again, it's like it doesn't quite equate over. It just it's a sloppy way of trying to link the uh, the little. Uh, trials. The whole movie was just sloppy. Although I do appreciate, I I do 100% appreciate Themyscira Ninja Warrior. I'm down with that. Um, Um, So I was reading that the mall sequence was actually the one that we saw, it was reshot because there were disastrous um, test screenings. Oh, really? Yeah. So they had to reshoot the original, all of the mall scene. So the version we saw. That's the reshot version. Oh my god. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Also, was it just me or were the like 
Diana floating through all of the things, like the timing of it was just. Like, I do not believe a woman can fly. Well, no. The CG was but the god CG awful. Was really bad. Like the timing of her, like jumping from place to place before she like captures the bad guy. It just it felt so off to me. Like it was no was Chris spending, Reeves. Like, I'll tell you that they had a year. They they sat that film on the shelf for a year and they didn't touch the CGI at all. Like that's the final CGI you guys went with. <laughs> um, I think I think part of I think part of what ha- most likely happened is that I think DC probably or Warner Brothers that is they they probably realized that it was not going to do as well as they thought it was going to do, and so they're not going to throw more money at, at something that is going to effectively lose them money. Hmm. Uh, It's interesting going back to when we were talking about the first film um, and and you pointed out that, uh, you know, most of the film is really solid except for the, the Aries stuff gets kind of wacky at the end. And I agree. That was the one sticking point with me. Um, Well, yeah. uh, Patty Jenkins actually appeared on, uh, I believe is Mark Maron's podcast recently and was actually uh, speaking about that and saying how uh, that was the one part of the film that the studio heads butted in on. Uh, the original ending was much different. To, uh, Ares was not going to be a part of it. Um, and they they pushed and pushed and made her go back and change it. Like, no, we need we need our big splashy CG fight for the end, you know, because I mean, that's what superhero movies do. I definitely will not be the first person to 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 defend studios because they have fucked so many movies up beyond recognition that, but they're, they're, they're also, they're putting how many of these out a year and these blockbusters movies specifically have very specific types of, of beats that they have to hit or the public will turn on them. Um, Also we have to remember Patty Jenkins hadn't directed a movie in a really, really long time. Um, she was supposed to direct Thor, but that never happened. Uh, out Thor too. Thank you. Yeah, she Thanks backed out of that for one. her sake. She backed out. Of yeah, that I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think she could have done a done a good job with it, but um, yeah, she talked about that too on uh, Marin's podcast. How it was, um, she realized very very wisely. She realized like they're trying to tell a story that I don't think is that. I, I don't think I can make that work for them. So I am bowing out. Good luck to them, but I'm not going to be a part of it. <laughs> and I don't want to be the woman director that wrecked a Marvel hero movie. <laughs> but now we have WW84. <laughs> um, now, all this nitpicking aside, I will still say I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I I do appreciate, much like if you recall... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, initially got, oh, I guess did you not, did not didn't like, like it. it. I, I actually really like appreciate it. it. I, I appreciated that it did something a little bit. It had a different, a slightly different tone than all the superhero movies that we were getting. Uh, you know what was different about it? Huh? He directed it. What, James Gunn? Mm-hmm. And he didn't do direct the first one? Nope. Or no, he did. He he directed the first one. He didn't write it. He wrote the second one. He didn't write the first one. I flipped oh. it. All right. 
or he co-wrote the first one or, no, what was nicole perlman, perlman she wrote the first one and then he uh he he wrote the second one she helped with story stuff but he wrote he wrote the second one okay gotcha my point being i you can kind of write it off and be cynical as as like uh, as far as wonder woman 84 is concerned about being hokey and overly cheesy and, and corny and whatever i kind of appreciate the things that they did differently it's it as opposed to the the run-of-the-mill superhero movie formula where we just get to a point where we have a big splashy cg fight where the where the bad guy gets killed or or uh, sent to prison or whatever it's they they really made it a point to to go out of the way to humanize the the villains in this story i mean whether you liked or didn't like ultimately like the cheetah cg splashy fight um Dude, i really appreciate of lightning like what the fuck oh yeah she lassoes lightning (laughs) she lassoes lightning well tony i have a i have a thing about like what i think there's an expectation that audiences have now for what i'll call the um premiere uh franchises so like batman wonder woman superman um X-Men, uh, Cap, Iron Man, etc. So like the premiere franchises for the various superhero movies, there's a certain expectation of tone that those movies require yeah. that is not shared by something like Ant-Man or Deadpool um, or say, I don't know if they ever made like a Booster Gold movie or something. Um, that would not share the same sort of expectation of tone. Uh, it's it's the exact same reason why Venom was so weird and awkward is because no one was expecting Venom to be a comedy. Um, <laughs> and it was. And so when people go into a movie like Wonder Woman 84, especially when the first one was so not explicitly campy for extended periods of time right it's very much especially with the themiscira opening which was not really that tone at all Mm -hmm. it's a huge tonal whiplash for the audience right to see to see the the types of of camp that we haven't seen from a premiere superhero movie since batman and robin you know yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, i understand and again i totally agree the 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 tone kind of whiplashes all over the place in this film. Um, and ultimately there's, there's just a whole lot of camp. What I was more, what I was trying to get at more is as opposed to the, the formulaic superhero film that just kills off the bad guy, there's a much more hopeful tone in here, which is I actually appreciated which, that, which tracks with wonder woman. It's more mm. humanizing. It's more empathetic. It's it's, she's all about saving people. The fact that Maxwell <laughs> Lord didn't die despite all of the heinous, heinous fucking acts yeah. that he committed mm-hmm. uh, is pretty impressive. And I actually, uh, I appreciated it. Yeah. Um, and Kristen Wiig in, in, in shoddier direction um, and writing Kristen Wiig's character would have immediately got her wish 
got a taste of that like aggression or whatever or power and just flipped the switch and grew a twirly mustache and I'm bad now but she was yeah. still very human throughout she was still uh helping Diana like figure out the mystery of this this uh, rock and everything and it was only once she was confronted with like the reality of oh shit I'm gonna have to go back to being I mean that, me or me like no that no could have been, more that could have been DC that could have been DC uh flexing their muscle since both cheetah and um maxwell lord are like anti-heroes in the comics at some points uh-huh. like they could have been dc being like well we can't have them be explicitly evil because we want to use them in suicide squad bajillion you know yeah that's another thing that meg pointed out was in the in the closing uh, montage of the entire world taking back their wishes um yeah no fucking way that's happening yeah (laughs) no no. yeah not not a chance i'm not giving up my winning lotto numbers fuck that (laughs) um but no you don't don't care if two billion people have to die that lady is already dead on the floor of that shop like how do you unwish that Same way you unwish nukes out of the air after after being launched. But uh, yeah, Meg pointed out, you don't see in that montage her explicitly um, recanting, recanting her, wish. her wish. You just see her revert back to human form. And we're- and What's implied. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, 90%, I'm sure like, oh, it's implied that she did, you know, recant her wish just like everyone else. But I think that then might be- some stupid kid who'd children. be like, what happened? I didn't know. Yeah, I, I think that it also could potentially leave a window open slightly if they wanted to bring her back for part three and saying like, oh, well, she didn't fully uh, recant her wish. She just reverted back to human form because Max Lord recanted his wish. Uh, I don't think Max Lord is going to be back. I don't think because it, yeah, I think they, already hinted, they already hinted that he had severe medical issues before he even became the stone. So... Uh, him kept, having yeah like he kind of kept saying bring me my vitamins bring me my supplements or whatever but uh but he didn't like start fucking melting until the wishing happened true yeah but yeah well, it's, I, but, but i bet if, if anybody if we, yeah they would maybe try to bring back a, i'm i'm gonna get into yeah. like comic stuff here a little bit because <clears throat> i will say that i'm a little disappointed i like i actually really liked pedro pascal in this oh yeah and um i thought his moment when he was going for his son was actually the most touching moment in the entire film yeah for um, sure. he was probably and, one of the best things of that film yeah easily um but in the in the comics maxwell lord is a dramatically different character um and i i was a little annoyed not annoyed i was a little disappointed to see that they didn't really touch on any of his comics stuff at all because I mean, in the comics, Wonder Woman snaps his neck. <laughs> like, literally, just crack. Um, and his, he's got the... Do you remember that whole... Was that the, comic directed by Zack Snyder? Um, <laughs> you're not too far off. I mean, uh, it, he was in this, um, this comic story called Identity Crisis that led to infinite infinite crisis and it was like one of the darkest periods of actual dc comics history i'm not talking about like adaptations i'm talking about legitimate dc comic like mainline comics not even like elseworlds or anything like that yeah um identity crisis is one of the darkest 
periods. I mean, there's it's there's like a rape in the story. Uh, it's a whole thing. Um, but uh, you find out later in this saga around that time that Maxwell Lord has been who helps create the Justice League International. So, which is, I don't know if you know anything about JLI, but JLI was like sort of a comedic book. It was supposed to be sort of a joke. Um, and so Maxwell Lord was a very light character that ended up becoming very, very, very dark, which is sort of matches this narrative a little bit. Um, but it's just interesting to see someone who is so important to the larger DC comics mythos um, really utilized for something dramatically different in this. Um, a little disappointed they didn't stick closer to his comics origins, but uh, I think it was a decent adaptation, I guess. That's kind of like how I was surprised when uh, Civil War used Baron Zemo as the, as the bad guy. Yeah, like, it's, it, it's similar. I, I, think, I think Civil War did it better. Yeah. Um, but this, it's, it's interesting to see such a, a large character. Uh, I mean, they got the, the big brushstroke stuff right. Like, he's a businessman. He's sort of Trumpish. Um, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I saw an article. Did he... He actually played, Pedro Pascal actually played Maxwell Lord also in the failed pilot of Wonder Woman. I don't know if he played the Maxwell Lord, but he was in the pilot. Really? Um, he was? Yeah. Yeah. The, the one from 2007 or whatever? With Adrian yeah. And he was, wow. Yeah, he was convinced that that uh, ruined his chances of being involved in the movie, but <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> I mean, as, as far as we know, as far like... As we've seen in terms of superhero movies, anything that we think is impossible <laughs> is totally possible at this point. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, just add some uh, shitty CGI. Like, if if Spider Man can come back to the MC, or if if Spider Man can come back to Marvel, like anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, and not not true. just that, but if they're doing a fucking multiverse Spider Man movie, mm. live action, I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I mean, if if they can, if DC can get me to give a shit about the Flash movie by bringing in our beloved '89 Batman, then anything is possible. <laughs> um, you know, you know what? I'm a, a little disappointed that we won't get to see uh, um, Walking Dead. Um... <laughs> what are you doing? I'm I'm hitting a bat over sure? my head. Oh, uh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, that we won't get to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Flashpoint Batman. Oh, because comics... supposedly, supposedly that was the original idea. Right, because in the comic storyline, that... um, uh, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman in an alternate universe. Right? Yes, right. because uh, because yeah. after the death of Bruce. He and Martha Wayne become Batman and the Joker, respectively. All right. Um, spoilers for a 10-year-old comic. Um, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and supposedly that was actually the original plan was that uh, the DCEU was always going to lead to Flashpoint mm. and that um, Thomas Wayne was cast with Jeffrey Dean Morgan 
Um, as with Zack Snyder's ideas of him becoming Flashpoint Batman, which actually, when you think about it, amazing. I would have loved to see that. I am. I do not like Zack Snyder's movies other than Man of Steel and um, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Uh, but he did some things that are interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think Justice League, I'm actually a little bit excited to see it because I just sort of want to see what he was going to do. Yeah, me too. And uh, there's already been reports that uh, Warner Brothers is basically like they're they're giving him, letting him have his fun there. But beyond that, there's no plan. It's a dead to... end. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we already got Man of Steel and Justice League, uh, uh, Man of Steel and Batman Vicious Superman and Justice League. So that just give him his trilogy and let him f- like finish the whole thing. Because yeah. I mean, the alternative is that we're stuck with the Justice League that we got. And uh, yeah. Well, in other uh, interesting Batman news, um, I'm, I'm still really curious about Pattinson's take or Matt Reeves' take, I should say, along with Pattinson. There's been some reports uh, in this past couple of days. Uh, British tabloid, The Sun, was saying that uh, Matt Reeves has been really riding Robert Pattinson hard. Um, He's been and- riding him hard. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're forcing were, him to do like the, uh, like the Hitchcock thing, like 50 takes there were, for a theme. There were reports a couple months ago that they were having issues. Yeah. Uh, but around yeah. when the trailer came out, actually. You have to take the source in consideration. The Sun is is a garbage rag. The Sun and the Daily Mail are two of the worst worst sources you could possibly get when it comes to entertainment rumors. You know, I I I wouldn't I I would say it'll probably get quashed by the studio. Um, Hmm. they're gonna probably be like Kith, um, but (laughs) uh, because. I mean, no one's going anywhere. Yeah. Like Pattinson's not going anywhere. Matt Reeves isn't going anywhere. Uh, they have spent way too much money on this iteration for one of them to drop out. So they're going to have to get over it. And, and, and the reason I don't think it's unreasonable that this is true is because Pattinson is absolutely the type of actor who would have issues with a tentpole movie. I mean, by the time he was done with Twilight, he he hated it. He wanted to have absolutely nothing to do with it. And yeah. he, I mean, I've read, I love his work. I've seen a lot of movies that, of his that I really, really, really like. Dude, The Lighthouse. Um, the Lighthouse is incredible. incredible. And um, High Life was great. And uh, the adaptation of the J.G. Ballard novel that he did was fantastic. Mm. Um, uh, or no, it was Don Delilo, not J.G. Ballard. Um. Anyways, he's a great actor, but he also looks like, and from what I've read, someone who would be incredibly hard to work with sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, maybe he's just one of those guys. He's like, okay, I, I, I've been through the the ringer of the giant tent poles, and I'm not taking that shit anymore. Like, I, I mean, read probably, a G- probably has enough money to walk anytime he pleases, so he probably you know once he starts smelling shit in the air he's he probably does get difficult because he's like hey you know i don't need to be here i i mean again this is all 
us just guessing about what goes on behind the scenes. But I read a G, uh, I think it was a GQ article this summer that in, in the interview, he was pretty much just like, oh yeah, I don't like working out. And they're telling me to work out and I'm just not going to. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how did you get hired to do this movie? You're Batman. <laughs> like, I mean, I get yeah, it. No, like, I mean, the whole article, he was joking about how he, he was just refusing to work out and it was causing issues. In the article, he said that it was causing issues. And I was yeah, like, I dude, you're, you know that this recorder is recording this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta, I mean, if you're, again, this is all just guessing from the outside, but it's like, if, if you, if you sign on for this shit, like, you should be all in. Like, I mean, you're gonna be fucking Batman. Yeah, you can't sign up for a superhero film and not sign up for the superhero diet. (laughs) Well, you know what it is, is that at this point, um, they need, these franchises are, are, are supposed to have so much clout as movies now, as they're, they're supposed to be Oscar winners at the same time as they're supposed to make a billion dollars. So they have to, they have to sort of ride this line between who is someone that is a good enough actor um that can give it an air of gravitas but also we can tell them to do whatever the fuck we want and they'll do it right (laughs) yeah and so it's this the the venn diagram of that like it's a very small yeah yeah (laughs) especially what people who haven't already been hired hired by marvel yeah you gotta you gotta hire somebody like uh i remember listening to a podcast a few years ago with uh uh malcolm mcdowell and he you know he's i mean time is the fire in which we burn yeah he's been around for fucking ever but he has said yes to a litany of just random shitty movies like just and not shitty movies like tank girl yeah yeah like tank girl and uh yeah and the interviewer brought it like to, uh, to attention he and he, Malcolm McDowell he gives no fucks that's what you need that's what you need that that's who fits in that Venn diagram the center is somebody who just gives no fucks they've been around long enough they're like yeah whatever I'll say yes to a bunch of that Malcolm McDowell is I remember him saying like oh yeah I've been in a lot of crap and he just starts laughing hysterically <laughs> he just owns it you know that's who you need you know who else is in Tank Girl Naomi Watts yeah. she plays the 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 nerdy best friend with the black hair. I've literally only seen it once. I, I think I owned it. I don't think I own it anymore. Probably because it was shot in Australia. Yeah. That's probably why. I remember only two things from that movie. I remember um her final like fight scene with Malcolm McDowell and he has like a holographic head. Yeah. And, and the soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I would have to go back and watch. Got Army it. of Me by Bjork in it. I remember when one of the kangaroo men die, and he, he says something. Oh, not like, Rue. He doesn't die. He says something like, uh, "Like, see you, cool cats, later." That big jam session in the sky, <laughs> and you hear a sax go. Also, like, I mean. Tank Girl's amazing because that was based on an indie comic book and that movie came out in 1995. Like, like how did that yeah. movie get made? 
they were just trying crazy shit in 95, I guess. I mean, Mallrats was 95. And uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Have you heard the story about Johnny Mnemonic, about how that got produced? Uh, If I have, I don't remember. Uh, So it was produced by the same studio that did Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Mortal Kombat ended up being such a huge hit uh, that they were able to turn what was supposed to be a tiny little indie movie. Johnny Mnemonic was supposed to be like an indie, (laughs) like a low-budget sort of hipster science fiction movie. Mm. And, And they had so much they were so flush with cash from Mortal Kombat that they turned Johnny Mnemonic into this like big blockbuster. Yeah. It was still produced by an indie, indie studio, so that's why it, it looks so different from most blockbusters, but... Yeah. I mean, what what else do you need besides a, a code-breaking dolphin? <laughs> I will defend that movie. Fucking love it. I don't care. <laughs> Who's in that? And a gigabyte of storage in your head? Or 100 gigabytes of storage in your head? Was that what it was? Was that the number? I think so, yeah. I think it was 100 yeah. gigabytes. Uh, you never say numbers. They're always dated. They're always <laughs> wrong. Yeah. yeah. And Meg was in love with that girl that was in that. Uh, D- Dina Meyer? D- Dina Meyer? Isn't she also in Starship uh-huh. Troopers? Starship Troopers, yeah. That's where Meg yeah. was from. Um, you would know her if I... I'll look it up right now well she's been in a lot of other stuff yeah well she was there very prevalent in the 90s um i was watching something else with her that she popped up in it and i was like oh wow she's in this too yeah all i remember is seeing her boobs in starship troopers <laughs> in the co-ed in the core in the co-ed uh, shower scene right would you like to know more dina meyer her. oh yeah her she's pretty cute yeah <laughs> I that. yeah what else is she in so i want to remember what uh i saw her in uh let's see okay there there was starship there was uh johnny monic what else Dragonheart. Kara oh, wow. from Dragonheart. uh nowhere land bats stranger than star Fiction. trek nemesis in nemesis yeah Robin she plays a romulan, romulan. Romulan yeah. Commander Donatra. Yeah. It was not Donatra, but it it was around that era no, it that was I remember. Donatra. Well, no, no. I oh. mean, it's not yeah, what I'm, I'm thinking sure. of. Okay. Uh, she was in the first Saw, 2004. Oh, it was Saw. It was Saw. I rewatched Saw um, a couple weeks before Halloween, and I was oh, like, she, oh, wow, it's her. She's in two and three as well. And Saw 4. Wow. She's in all of them? Fucking, I don't know how many Saws there are. Yeah, I think she ends up being the, the killer in like the fourth one or something. Okay. Anyway, uh, we got cut off again, and I don't remember. I don't know if my thought cut off uh, before I got a chance to finish. So let me repeat. Um, regarding uh, Pattinson uh, and his troubles with the current Batman production, what you need is a solid actor who's been around for fucking ever and just doesn't give a flying shit anymore, like Malcolm McDowell. I listened to a podcast with Malcolm McDowell a few years ago and the interviewer just flat out pointed out like, yeah, yeah, we loved you in the classics, Clockwork Orange and whatnot, but you've been in a lot of like 
straight to DVD releases, a lot of B movie sci-fi. And he just flat out, he started cackling himself, Malcolm McDowell. He's like, oh yeah, I've been in a lot of crap. <laughs> but he, the man likes to come and play and gets paid for it. So that, that's who you need. That's who fits in that Venn diagram. But of course you need a younger guy for Batman unless you're doing I think the very Batman first story. thing I ever remember seeing him in was uh, Star Trek Generations. Yes, yeah. Where, uh, time yeah. is the fire in which we burn. Yeah. What does that What's, mean? That doesn't mean anything. Oh, it's just it, all you. It doesn't matter. You just need his accent saying crazy shit like <laughs> "Give my regards to oblivion." <laughs> you know, a lot of people hate that movie, and I, I still to this day, I have a very soft. I, I have a. It has a warm place in my heart. I, I guess they hate joy. <laughs> It was it's, the it's, second best next gen film. I think it, it fits perfectly. It really, it really has that next gen vibe. It, it has both vibes, branching from the original series to next gen, which was exactly the point. Well, I, I, I've read a lot of stuff about the production of it, and Ron Moore and uh, and um, Brandon Braga, who wrote First Contact, also wrote. Um, all good things they were writing them almost at the exact same time but they were they they were putting a lot more effort into the finale because it was happening first and they needed to get it right because it was the finale to star trek yeah. and so when they started writing the movie they were like oh crap we also have to write this movie <laughs> uh, um, and that's why all good things is considered like one of the best the, like finales of all time and generations is just eh. oh, I, yeah i definitely like generations generations and first contact will always be near and dear to my heart first contact is amazing but the best star trek movie ever made is star trek 6 the undiscovered country <laughs> i will take that to my grave <laughs> i liked it but i'll have to go back and rewatch. it's about i'm about due for a rewatch of the movies you haven't read uh, Shakespeare until you've uh, read it in the original Klingon. <laughs> Guess I who's coming to dinner? Uh, I personally loved Star Trek Three because they gave me Chris Lloyd as a... Oh, you mean the one with the whales? As a Klingon. No, that's, that's number four. four. Number four, oh, man. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Put your shit together, Byron. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh, no, yeah. Cruz. Uh, Captain Cruz. Yeah, there you go. Uh, getting back before we get to uh, further down the down the line here, I Meg reminded me I do have to give Wonder Woman props for the the chemistry between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot. Uh, I yeah. fucking loved everything in between, this, especially the uh, you know stealing the the jet and everything. Uh, the 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 moment where she's explaining, oh yeah, by the way, uh, fucking radar is a thing. And they'll be able to track us anywhere. Well, do, will they shoot at us? Well, shit, Diana. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Oh, so, um, as someone who's um, flown airplanes quite a lot, uh, when they got in that jet and just started climbing in altitude, altitude, the first thing I thought was like, "That is not a pressurized cabin. Like, they are going to pass the fuck out in about ten seconds." Like. <laughs> <clears throat> and a, a two-seat trainer at a, a museum is totally yeah. going to be fueled up and ready to fly. <laughs> yeah, 
across the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, to get to Cairo, fully fueled. Yes, these were these were the few uh, unbelievable things in this movie. <laughs> I mean, lassoing lightning. Come on. Well, I mean, the the, the hey, superhero hey, have you tried stuff. It? Have you tried it? That's right, you have it. So <laughs> <laughs> the superhero stuff, people can suspend disbelief, but when you come to something that's real and has actual physics and reality to it, that's when people can't suspend their disbelief as much. Hmm. Also, how the hell is he having been dead for like what 40, 50 years, all of a sudden knows how to fly one of these newfangled planes? Yeah, I mean like, that was on. another thing that I was like, there's no way that there that would be like giving someone who who used a computer in the 1960s with a punch card uh, a laptop. <laughs> uh, a Microsoft Surface Pro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, I... all right, all right. Uh, going back um, to uh, Batman, fun things about Batman as of January now, um, HBO Max is upgrading their library as far as DC goes. Batman, the animated series, and Batman Beyond have now joined HBO Max along with, I think they have most of the DC animated movies. Um, yeah, I saw, I was browsing there. I saw the, the Batman Samurai movie. I saw The Killing Joke. So this is a little bit of a, a bittersweet announcement for, for me because uh, I subscribe to DC Universe. <laughs> oh, oh, oh dear. Um, <laughs> well, it actually wasn't that bad. Um, it, it, it was an interesting service because it had all the television and movies and stuff, which there wasn't a lot, but it had Batman, the animated series. So, and it had uh, a a selection of DC animated films, but not close to enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they added comics and I've been wanting a DC comics subscription service for like 15 years, 20 years almost because I've been a a Marvel limited subscriber since I was like, I don't know, 18, 19, Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, and DC has never had a, a subscription comic service. So it, it sort of, it looks like that DC universe had to die for HBO Max to live. Mm. Um, mind you, they split them off into s- separate services. So they really only just got rid of the streaming video aspect of DC universe. And they kept, which is sort of what I wanted to begin with anyways. Uh, DC so that's... universe. DC universe was the the hero Gotham deserves, but yeah. not not the one it needs right now. Not the one it needs right now. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, no, HBO needs their content wars to happen. So, yeah. um, speaking of comics, you kind of perfectly uh, dovetailed into what I was gonna you know switch gears into as far as the world of comics. We were talking last episode. Um, we're heavily reminiscing about uh, Firefly, like mm-hmm. us thirty somethings fucking do. Oh, they announced <laughs> that new Firefly comic. That's right. Yeah. Well, first off, I didn't even know there was now an ongoing. Oh, great! Yeah, the Greg Pak series, dude. It's great. Yeah. So, so I have like uh, several of the initial comic runs that they did that were just like a bunch of prequel stories, which were yeah. great. Um, but now they have an ongoing Firefly series, which is yeah, the, now the Greg like, Pak she... series. I. I... I was collecting it monthly for a while uh, and then I stopped checking my pull list. 
Um, so, so first off, they're they're coming out. They're at about uh, issue twenty five or so. Oh wow! Uh, which they are 25? they are now they are now going to be um, actually that. continuing past the movie as yeah. far as the continuity and which is what everybody's wanted for fucking ever to begin with. And furthermore, they just announced a spinoff series, which I guess in real time, it'd be God, almost 20 fucking years, 20 later. years later. Yeah. Uh, featuring uh, Wash and Zoe's daughter, Emma. Yeah. Now so grown she's, up. She's now supposed to be like 26 up, now or something. Something like that. She's now grown up herself and yeah. uh, she's piloting Serenity. I wonder if um, Zoe is still alive. I don't know. There, there's. Uh, I, I saw articles that were releasing a few like little splash pages or, or some feature art, and one of them is fucking adorable. It's grown up Emma in the pilot seat with a big smile on her face, and Mal with with the gray sides to his hair, just like pointing, like telling her to go this way, and it's fucking adorable. Yeah, I mean. Honestly, you should pick up the trades for that Greg Pak series, the Firefly series. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah, definitely have to pick that up. I got a lot of Christmas gift cards to spend, so <laughs> I think I'm getting back into the world of comics finally. Uh, uh, what else do we have? Uh, random little bits of news. Um, that Furiosa... A prequel, prequel was announced. I think we talked about that before. They actually have a date for it now. I think that's coming 2023. That's going to be featuring Anya Taylor-Joy as young Furiosa. Meg, wipe the drool off your mouth. But she's so hot! <laughs> we still have yet to watch... Uh... Meg is not wrong! <laughs> no, I know. We still have to watch The Queen's Gambit. I know everybody is freaking oh, yeah, out. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah. Uh, what else? Well, she played magic, didn't she? She played magic in New Mutants. Yes, she was in New Mutants. She was. Yes. Oh, I. Well, but yeah, it I took still... forever for them to come out with the film. I got the watch it. The, the 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 like mutant magic sword. Okay, I I I, I don't know. I, it I comes watched... out of her arm. Okay. Anyways, it's a thing. Yeah. Um. What else? What else we got? Random bits of randomness. Uh, there was reports that Marvel is developing a Ghost Rider show. <laughs> They've tried well, that already and working on. Yeah, it, I liked it. I liked their take uh, or uh, the um, the well, the Agents of Shield, Shield version. Agents of Shield, Robbie Reyes version was awesome. Yeah. Um, well, supposedly they were they were trying to get that as a spinoff, but then. It, Floundered, Marvel yeah. TV collapsed. collapsed yeah. So. yeah, but there was new reports uh, just this past week or so that they're saying they're looking for a very mature Ghost Rider series well, for Hulu. So that's interesting because combined with the other rumors about Ghost Rider that we've been hearing recently, do you know the ones that I'm referring to? No. Those rumors are that the the Marvel role that they have been trying to get Keanu Reeves involved with for a long time, the first one that really clicked for him was Ghost Rider. Oh, because I remember earlier this year, there was, uh, again, repeated reports about bringing him back for Constantine. Well, that's DC. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, But supposedly Marvel has been trying to get him for a long time. And... 
it talks have been speeding up in the last three or four years. And specifically in the last two years, they've been speeding up their talks with him and that uh, they offered him roles in um, uh, the Eternals and he turned those down. And supposedly the one that really interested him was Ghost Rider. Hmm. And so if that combined with the TV rumor is true, I, I don't know if Marvel would waste Keanu on a movie or on a TV series. I personally don't see it as a waste, but yeah. you know, I have setting a motor- up uh, Midnight Suns. I have a motorcycle and a flaming skull head. What do you do? <laughs> uh, uh, this was a cool little bit of, again, it's not really like news. A lot of the stuff, the headlines this past week has been rumors and hearsay. Yeah. The last and- week of December is, not a not a yeah, lot it's of not really like official announcements announcements going yeah. on but i would love to see this daphne keen actress who played x23 in wolverine or sorry in logan uh, is expressing great interest in uh crossing over with deadpool 3 as much oh. as i as much as i would really really like to see that and mm-hmm. I, I mean she's the right age at this point yeah. for x23's she like was, and nyx run rad. Um, I highly, highly, highly doubt that that would happen. Yeah, because we haven't seen anything from the mutants in so long, and I almost guarantee that Marvel's take on the mutants is going to be is going to wipe everything clean. The only, the only, the only holdout is going to be Deadpool, and he's going to have some, you know, universe-shattering meta. Yeah, yeah, I, I doubt that she would be involved in the like the the greater MCU at all. But I mean, Deadpool three, fucking anything goes. I mean, they've they've given Ryan Reynolds keys to the kingdom as far as Deadpool's concerned. Yeah, so with Deadpool three, I sort of I sort of have a feeling that they're going to do the same thing that they did with um, Deadpool the Deadpool secret wars arc. So in the most recent secret wars, they did this thing with Deadpool where they uh, retconned him Mm. into the events of the first two secret wars comics because Deadpool wasn't around back then. Um, And it was really good. It was like one of the best things. It was one of the best um, standalones from the new secret wars. Um, I have a feeling that they'll probably do something like that with the MCU just because they have, they already have like a template um, and it would work brilliantly for a Deadpool three. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Back in the uh, video game world, there are reports that uh, Sony is developing a God of War movie. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. that's. I think that they've had fits and starts with that a few different times where they've tried to shop it around, but nobody would pick up on it. But uh, if Sony is doing it, that makes sense. You video know, game, video game movies are tough, and I still hope and pray that we see some solid I, stuff come out. But again, I, know, I've reiterated on this show several I'm times. I'm pretty that surprised I, that a good video game adaptation that they're not more prominent because I don't think it's as tough as we think it is. No, you're right. 
but I think it's easier to do in a longer format in a, in like in a Netflix series or something, yeah. something more long form oh, yeah. because yeah. video games are such long, expansive experiences. Um, yeah. Just like Witcher or, or something. I, you know, uh, you I, mean, know what I would I love really, to see a mass effect. You know what I think it series. comes down to? Uh, what I think it comes down to is I think the studios and the production companies that uh, produce these video game movies, I think they get cold feet and they pull out their resources. The, they pull out their resources at the last second and leave the filmmakers either high and dry with their original pitch mm-hmm. or um, test screenings. They don't trust the filmmakers to do what they need to do. That that last uh, the Tomb Raider movie with uh, Alicia Vikander. I feel like they got like they're no making a fuck. second one. Yeah, I know, but it, I I had to look it up. I was like, does this still exist? Like even the first one got barely any any marketing apparently um, the uh, the last sonic mo- or the sonic movie was actually decent after all the garbage that it- i mean it was i saw it in theaters it was actually oh, you did it was the second to last movie i saw before covid uh how was hit. it how was it it was well for context i saw it at 2 p.m on a friday uh <laughs> so with my for, girlfriend at the time it was good for 2 p.m on a friday yeah Uh, and I had two beers and after it was over, me and my now ex-girlfriend went to the bar (laughs) and got (laughs) drunk and talked about, and I was like giddy and like, she was like, Oh, that was a thing that happened. (laughs) (laughs) That was something that took up two hours of our lives that we will never get back. Yeah. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. Anytime Jim Carrey comes back to play in Hollywood. So, um, I love John Ralphio. So, you know, John Ralphio oh, is Sonic, was was so. he the voice? Yeah. Oh God, the worst. <laughs> now, if she had just been in there and money, coins, please, or rings, please, yeah, money, please. Meg does that shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it for anything. I'll be like, keys, please, water, please, money, please. No, but it was it was fun. It was fine. Um, all right. It was a kids movie. It's that same exact kids movie plot where they go on a road trip. Uh, was there some you know, random rap song that everything had to dance to? Um, no, but I do remember oh, the first time you heard you heard uh, Green Hill Zone music in uh, diegetically. I was just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, I, that'll be a stream at some point. Um. I would recommend either getting very drunk or very high before you watch. Give me your top three. If you could have your pick of quality video game adaptations, of course, Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect. Uh, What's his name? Jordan Volkowitz is still working on uh, Metal Gear. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely up there. That's not my top three, but it's probably Mass Effect, Fallout, Fallout would be fucking rad. Yeah, for um, sure. I'm surprised it hasn't already happened, honestly. Zelda? Uh, any Zelda? Actually, title. Zelda. Probably Zelda. Like a Zelda. good, amazing, like fantasy adaptation, like yeah. anime, like anime show. Good, good or throwback like the Lord of the Rings Todd, title. Todd, what did you say? I'm surprised any Bethesda title hasn't been made into a movie. Like yeah, any of them. Honestly. Fallout is such a rich fucking universe. That's gotta. Well, did you guys ever watch Nuka Break? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuka Break was great, and uh, yeah. I, I mean, 
that era of making fan films is mm-hmm. sort of over. Um, the, the guild era? <laughs> well, mainly because too many of them have gotten slapped with cease and desist letters from <laughs> that, yeah, companies. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nuka Break was... It, it, you could make a Fallout TV show. Uh, in fact, yeah. wait. Yeah. Am I imagining... Didn't they announce something a while ago? Uh, there was talk online because of um, like an dom- domains that were registered in in Bethesda's name, but I don't think anything oh, ever came to fruition. I remember. So they they alluded to something about it, but remember what happened? Microsoft bought Bethesda, uh, and you know what they are making? A Halo TV show. Right. So, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get that Halo TV show. And forever. Bethesda has talked about in the past mining um their properties for movies and television they're oh. very that they're very interested in that yeah todd's got Wait. something oh, todd's amazon got prime amazon is developing a uh, fallout tv show i knew it i knew it i knew it i knew it holy shit i remember reading this a couple a couple months ago and then when i heard the microsoft news i was like oh maybe that is throwing some sort of wrench in there you know <laughs> Fallout, please. <laughs> wow, yeah, this is apparently something that is definitely happening. Fallout, I'll be the fallout There's... baby. <laughs> oh my With God. your loving hands. <laughs> There's no information on which setting it's going to be From in. Tale where? Nineteen. <laughs> With a big I iron don't on his want hip. To set the world on fire. So, um. I, I, I think I sort of have to mention because uh, I, I've had a lot of fallout on the brain recently uh-huh. um, because uh, one of the first major series that I'm doing on my new uh, VR streaming uh, channel on YouTube mm-hmm. is a long-term playthrough of Fallout 4 VR Essentials Overhaul Mall by this modder, Ginges VR who developed this mod list and worked with mod developers and tweaked some code herself to create this, what's effectively a complete ground up rebuild of Fallout 4 VR um, to fix the broken, unoptimized disaster of a game, which was Fallout 4 VR. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm playing through it right now and it's the most impressive gaming experience I've ever had in my entire life. Damn. So you should play it. Okay. VR is on my list. So I think that's when I end up getting a VR rig, that's probably when I'll do another playthrough of fallout four. The biggest issue, the biggest issue with uh, this mod and with fallout four VR is that fallout four VR is by itself, effectively unplayable. Um, and this mod is one of the most difficult and time-consuming mods I've ever tried to install. It took more, almost an entire day. Uh, part of that was my own fault, but uh, it took a, a, a way too much prodding to be able to get it going. And then when it did start, it took almost an entire day to install. Jeez. So it's one of those things where like, 
if you want to have one of the most impressive gaming experiences of your entire life, you're going to have to spend about a day modding a game to be able to do it. The only, the only so real one, one last I... bit of uh, Fallout TV show news. This might be a boon to some people, and some people might see this as a death nail. Uh, the writers of Westworld will be handling this. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's that was the news. That was the yeah. news. Ah, because it, it happened like right at the beginning of the quarantine, so uh, it got lost in a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, Jonathan Nolan and his wife Lisa Joy are are yeah are uh, tackling the Fallout TV show. So if you liked wow. Westworld. You're going to love this. If you hated Westworld and couldn't follow it past the first season, you're, you're probably not going to like it. I I really loved Westworld for 1.5 seasons. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I, I loved what it was doing up to a point where it just felt Muddled. like it was like, let's overcomplicate things just for the sake of overcomplicating things. As opposed yeah. to being like like adding to the story, adding value to the story, it just felt like, well, we've gone down this road, and let's just kind of like like you appreciate early Tim Burton, like ooh, wow, cool, interesting, and bats and spiders and shit, and then over time, he's dum, just dum, like, dum, well, dum, dum, we don't have dum, any dum. any more story to think up, so just throw more bats and stripes and spiders <laughs> and skeletons at them. Let's see what happens. That that was that that to me, that's what. Uh, Westworld became as far as the overcomplicating shit. And then season three just became a cyberpunk TV show. I still haven't even watched season three. I mean, you're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it, it, it was one of those things where the, the beginning of season three, I was so hyped up and excited because what I was saying was, I was like, this is pretty much just like a cyber, and I don't mean the property cyberpunk. I mean, it's like a cyberpunk genre TV show, uh -huh. um, which it pretty much is. And then I got about two thirds into the, the season. I was like, oh, I get it. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Byron, that's kind of how I felt like the first episode of season two or the last episode of season one. <laughs> I just was like so over it at that point. Oh, well. I think I made it like through about two or three episodes of season two when I said, yeah, yep. Jonathan That's Nolan enough. is an interesting screenwriter because he has these very, very, very lofty ideas um, for the most basic genre ideas. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he takes genre tropes that are 30, 40 years old and he, he finds ways to really make them feel real in today's world. I mean, he wrote The Dark Knight, so that's, you know, part of it. And then he did, but that's, he's the wizard. And like. Once you get past that curtain. Exactly. He's, he's got nothing there. There, there. there, there, there is no there there. He is just retelling us the same genre tales and genre tropes that we've been hearing for the last 50 years. And he doesn't have anything more to say really. Mm. Hey Todd, did he write, did he write Tenet? I have no idea. Cause I, I didn't see Tenet. I haven't I've yet, seen it yet. I've yet mm. to see it. I, I sort of, 
I was sort of telling myself that I was going to wait to see if they re-release it in theaters because I, I figured that might be something that they would do because mm-hmm. um, Warner Brothers has a tendency to re-release um, uh, their their films back into theaters. And that's that. Well, before the pandemic hit, that was the big thing was was re-releasing past year's blockbusters and also doing like feature like 80s and 90s blockbusters that well, was the big and also thing. because it was shot in imax so i figured that chris nolan wanted you know he already screwed everybody over enough by releasing it in the first place that uh maybe he'll he'll get his time to release it in imax where people will actually see it in that format yeah, maybe. Uh, it says chris was the primary writer no, Jonathan Nolan was not involved. No. Okay. That that makes sense. Right. We should uh we should probably find a button for the podcast here. I've got a couple final headlines to to fly past, but we're we've been going for a while now. Um in the horror movie world, Blumhouse and Morgan Creek are developing a sequel oh, to that's The Exorcist. Right. Yeah, so David oh, Gordon David Gordon Green who yeah, so <laughs> Meg just went, what? Same, same guy who did the Halloween remake. Right, so with Halloween, they basically took, uh, they made a direct sequel to the first film. They're saying, let's forget everything that happened with all the zillion sequels, and we're just doing a direct sequel from the original Halloween. Okay, They're now looking so to do the same thing with the X-Men. As much as I love Pazuzu. Um, <laughs> okay, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, I like Dave. I like David Gordon Green. Uh, I like Pineapple Express. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the Halloween remake. But I also miss some of the Halloween sequels because some of them were good, especially four versus Michael Myers, mm-hmm. um, or Return of Michael Myers. I yes. don't have to yeah, look yeah. that. That's three. Four is the four is the fifth one. Three or, is or, season of the witch. Curse of Michael Myers is the fifth one. Um, <laughs> but Return of Michael Myers is great. Anyways, but I like the Halloween remake that David Gordon Green did. Yeah. But I sort of missed some of that extra lore. Mm-hmm. Um, however, The Exorcist Two is a disaster. But The Exorcist Three, yeah. Legion. It's good. That's what we watched. Is amazing. Yeah, yeah. We actually just watched that for the first time recently. Really, really enjoyed it. I also, for the first time, watched it. Did you yeah. watch the Joe Bob the Joe version? Bob one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. It was good. Well, you know, so there's actually a roundabout reason why I watched it. It's it's actually because of the Exorcist VR game that came out for <laughs> Oculus Quest. Everything sort of uh, back to VR. <laughs> it all comes back to VR for me. Um, I played the Oculus Quest exorcist game around halloween and it i realized in the startup screen there's a there's a copyright that says not the exorcist the exorcist three and i was like what what why is this exorcist game not officially branded to the exorcist but the exorcist three and then i found out that the game is a loose adaptation of the movie which is based on the book oh wow oh man it's nuts (laughs) It was really, really interesting to hear the backstory as well in the Joe Bob episode about how the um, uh, the actor, which I can't 
think of his name right now. Um, and I won't bother looking it up, but uh, it was going through probably he was he was basically an end stage alcoholic. Oh, you mean Patton? Huh? Patton? The the priest. Oh, you mean the priest? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah, they, that's they, sad story. Yeah, they had to work around using him and then not using him, and, and it was it was kind of a mess. But it still somehow worked out yeah. to a good movie. Um, but anyway, I, I'm I'm interested. I think they could do a good job. Well, I would it. hate I would hate to lose that movie in the canonicity of the franchise because it's really good. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll who knows maybe they'll surprise us and incorporate some elements of it, so it's kind of there. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the uh, original director of the original '73 film, William Friedkin, went out on Twitter and said, "Fuck no, I'm not involved in this." <laughs> of course he's not. Yeah, there's no way that he is. Yeah. Oh um, God. We're, okay, we're running short on time. I got two last things. Uh, Taika, our beloved Taika, uh, is producing a comedy on FX, Reservation Dogs. I heard yeah. about that. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, uh, essentially is teaming up with the Native American writer and director Sterling Harjo for half hour comedy Reservation Dogs about uh, four native teenagers in rural Oklahoma who spend their days committing crimes and fighting it. <laughs> Sign me up. Sold. Yeah. I'll watch. Yep, for sure. Uh, and last but not least, I, I wanted to leave this to the end. This is kind of sweet. Just some random bit of news that came out. Uh, a man named Richard Garriott came out uh and uh talked about a little something uh one of the first private citizens to travel on the space station oh he's also huh he's not i mean continue but i mean he's not just some guy oh yeah yeah so (laughs) 2008 he managed to smuggle james Doohan's scotty's ashes aboard the international space station and he's kept it a secret apparently until now Tony, do you know who he is? Sorry, I, I did. Uh, Todd? Go no, go ahead. He's probably one of the biggest video game creators in the world. Oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't aware. Sorry. All right. But yeah, so I, I guess he kind of revealed. Um, yeah, by the way, 12 years ago, I, uh, I smuggled. I managed to smuggle Scotty's uh, James Doohan's uh, ashes on the ISS, which was kind of touching because apparently uh, Doohan's son, Chris thanked him for smuggling his late father's ashes aboard the ISS. He said it's like he space was really one of his great loves. And he always kind of, uh, he, he said apparently before he passed, like it would be great to be out there. And so he, That's he is. Yeah. Which is That's pretty rad. cool. And heartwarming, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had no idea about the. What, what did he? What is? What did he do in video games? Uh, he created Ultima, and that's Ultima Online. like, yeah, yeah, okay. that's like one of the biggest f- fantasy franchises for video games. It start. It started fantasy video gaming, basically. Lord Garriott. All right. Yeah. All right, we got a minute until Zoom cuts us off. So <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Thank you for joining, guys. This is Tony. Right. This is Todd. This is Byron. And, and Meg. And Meg getting a snack in the kitchen. <laughs> Snacks, please. Meg in right, the guys. kitchen again. Yep. We'll, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Stay frosty. And uh, Happy New Year. Woo. Happy New Year. Adios. Woo. Later. Later.